coming here and meeting everybody and seeing everything firsthand just realigned all of those positive perceptions I had about this place. And you feel the magic in the air if you mm. want to be cliche about it, I guess. But it's good vibes going right now. I was fortunate enough to be a part of the number one defense in the NFL last regular season. The identity of this team is still being built. We're just going to lay the foundation this, this spring and uh, find our true identity in training camp. What is going on? And welcome to episode number 136 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Henderson, alongside producer Jay Nelson. And this week, Jay, uh, free agency continued in a big way. We, we thought it was over. We thought Harrison Phillips and Jordan Hicks was going to be how we build this team in free agency and then boom that was my favorite thing i've been getting texts why aren't the vikings doing anything why <laughs> free agency's over i'm like it literally had been two or three days into free agency it was just people want to see the splash play they want to see something big happen mm-hmm. and uh just kind of the preaching of the normal patience at the same point when you see what we did this week it gets a lot of people excited about the moves this team is making currently and the boom is Zadarius Smith. That is correct. Well, he was a free agent this offseason, and there were reports that he signed with the Baltimore Ravens. I think it was a, a four-year deal, around $30 million, and then he backed out last minute. Um, if you want to hear his full explanation, you can head on over to Vikings.com. But ultimately, he said um, he's thankful for his time in, in Baltimore. He started his career there his first three years, then got traded to the Green Bay Packers, had two or three years there, and then now he had the opportunity to pick a team. And now the Minnesota Vikings came up into the picture and a few conversations later, a few social media posts later, he ended up in Minnesota Viking and Green Bay Packers fans are mad. And ultimately for this podcast, that's what we want. It was once you started to see some of the social media stuff really kicking in, that's when you knew, hey, there's there's a little more uh, fire to the smoke that we're seeing at this point. Mm -hmm. And on the day that he was that he did sign. When I saw him come in in the morning, I saw him at breakfast. I'm like, oh, that's good. He's still here. And he's at (laughs) breakfast. Lunchtime came around and all of a sudden he's wearing something different. I'm like, oh, that's a very good sign. So <laughs> it was uh, it was all systems go when they, they signed Zedarius. And it was great to kind of do the addition by subtraction, bring him in. Hopefully mm-hmm. he can be an asset for us at the same point, be able to pull him away from a place like Green Bay where he was kind of a menace against us at times. So, again, uh, the, the, the excitement from fans, the excitement even internally to be able to land somebody like Zadarius, the the hope and the promise of what he could bring mm-hmm. is very, very exciting. I just feel like whenever I'm on vacation, that's when things usually happen. You need to leave more often. <laughs> just get out of here. Let us let us keep doing things. Gabe walks back in and goes, all right, what just happened? What can I talk about? Everybody calm down. It, I mean, the first time I went on vacation, uh, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, he signed. Well, we, we signed him as a general manager. Minor, yeah. very minor. <laughs> and then you move on to now Zadarius Smith. So, Things are in the works. The Minnesota Vikings are are, are trying to build this roster um, both through free agency and throughout the draft that that is coming up here soon in, in late April. But you look at these moves and you say, OK, well, this is a great start to what Zadarius Smith was saying in his press conference. The ultimate goal right now, first and foremost, is to win the North. We're putting ourselves in position and the Green Bay Packers are helping by not having Devontae Adams on the roster. And now Zadarius Smith signing here. So y- your overall thoughts of just what these moves mean to us trying to win the NFC North. I'm just going to reiterate kind of what I talked about last week, even on the show and say further proof that ownership, front office, coaching, everyone's on the same page when they said, we're not blowing this thing up and we're not starting from scratch. We have some very good players and talent on this roster. And by bolstering and adding guys like today's guest for the interview with Harrison Mm -hmm. Phillips, Zadarius Smith, 
and some of the other defensive pieces that we've been looking at improving, including Jordan Hicks, you're adding pieces, especially pass rush wise, that are looking to ad- address issues that we had last season. So for me, adding a Zadarius Smith with the idea of a tandem of him and Daniil Hunter, now that Daniil is basically solidified that he's going to be a part of this team as well contractually, um, the the prospect of Zadarius on one side, mm-hmm. Daniil on the other, should make people very, very happy on our side and very, very nervous when they're game planning for that on a weekly basis. Yeah, meet at the quarterback 2.0. That is correct. That is correct. That is the 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 mantra for the, this upcoming year, according to Zadarius Smith. Well, that was the thing. when So when social media, when that hit, when he put that out there, mm-hmm. I had people saying, oh, that's really cool. And I went, he had to have gone through the <laughs> the museum tour that yep. they were going to. They, they've sent a bunch of the people that have come in on the museum tour just to kind of show them the history. And when he tweeted that out, I immediately knew that was the Purple People Eater bit. And then you saw Carl Eller kind of mm-hmm. retweet that kind of saying, you know, that's, exactly. That's <laughs> just it. When, when you have one of the Purple People Eaters kind of giving the thumbs up on, on him tweeting that out again, I took that as another very good sign during this process that he was excited to potentially be here. And then the next day he did sign. So that was great. And and that whole mantra of meet at the quarterback, that's what this defense has been known for in the past. It's what the echoes of the history of what this defense is supposed to be and what they were known for. Mm. If we can get back to the mentality as a defense, that's going to make people very, very happy, especially on our offense, where you know that they can minimize what they are going to have to face, you know, an uphill battle, giving up points. Mm -hmm. If you can minimize that stuff and just keep putting the offense back on the field, that is going to be a huge, huge help for this team. Yeah, I think in addition to that, what what Kwesi Adolfo Mensa said in his press conference earlier this week, he said this defense is made to make it easier on the cornerbacks. Of course, that's going to be the, the number one position heading into the draft. Okay, how do we fix the cornerback position when we have two or three guys under contract? Well, if you don't have a good pass rush, no matter who you have at cornerback, it's going to be a, a long day for them every single Sunday. So, I mean, Daniil Hunter, well, having him with Zadarius Smith, who has 44 and a half career sacks, those two players combined have over 100 sacks. They were both drafted in the same year in 2015. So having both of those guys meeting at the quarterback, this this is a, a great a recipe for success for this Minnesota Vikings defense that that had a lot of discrepancies last year. Yeah, and and I think elephant in the room is the idea for both of them coming off injuries, you know, like wh- how durable are they going mm-hmm. to be? Zadarius pointed out in his press conference when people kind of asked that question if there's any nervousness about his health, just kind of said, "Hey, I played in the playoff game last yeah. year. I came back from the rehab, played in the game, felt pretty good." And he got a second in the game. Exactly. And then he got to the point where Free agency hit. I mean, they have to go through all the medical checks and everything. The fact that he passed the physical is a big deal. So, again, there's always the concern that once you have an injury, you could do it again. Mm -hmm. But for a guy like Zadarius, who came back and played last season at the end of the year in a a critical spot, and then on top of that has gone through all the medical checks that he has at this point, should make fans feel a little bit better about the fact that he was coming off an injury. But – Again, for both these guys, if they're both healthy, they are both a terror Mm -hmm. on the field, and you put them out there together, that is going to be a lot of fun to watch on every single Sunday and hopefully primetime Mondays. Well, teaming those two guys up with Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle and I guess his new best friend in Harrison Phillips, uh, this defense, just the defensive front four or front five, however you want to look at it in a 3-4 defense, is going to be a force to be reckoned with. We all know if you listen to Harrison Phillips' press conference when he signed – 
he is an interesting guy. So it, it is a pleasure to be able to to sit down with him and get his perspective on what it means to be a Minnesota Viking. Here's Harrison Phillips. For the first time here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast, we have new Vikings defensive tackle Harrison Phillips. Harrison, number three, what should we call you? Have we H3. decided this yet? <laughs> like a Hummer. Harry, Harry, Harry cubed. I mean, I, I yeah. think, yeah, someone said Harrison was claimed. Harry was claimed. I think HP. I went by HP a couple okay. times, or just H. Man, that makes um, me think of Harry Potter, though. Yeah, it makes yeah, me think yeah, of a yeah. printer. It makes me like I want to print some papers now. I say, as, <laughs> as, long, as, long as they're saying anything, you know, if, as long as they're talking to me, you know, that's fine. I don't, I don't really care what they call me. Yeah, I love what you said when you were up on the podium talking about your five-year-old self in this moment. I mean, when you got the call, when you finally got to make your decision and you were on the same page as everyone, like what, as a, as a guy growing up watching football, what is, what does that mean to you? You know, it, it comes in waves, how it hits you. And yeah, obviously that was like super stressful. Who's who, how many offers are on the table? Where are these locations? What's the stash? What's the culture? What's the fan base? Um, and then as soon as we made the decision, like, you know, my girlfriend and I just started like, we hugging each other. We were crying and <laughs> then went upstairs and told my parents and yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Like, I know there's really no words to describe it, but everything, you know, was aligned the right way and coming here and meeting everybody and seeing everything firsthand just realigned all of those, you know, positive perceptions I had about this place. And, um, you know, you feel the magic in the air if you mm. want to be cliche about it, I guess, but it's the vibes, vibe, good vibes going right now. Yeah, I love it, man. I'm, I'm going to get to the story telling questions next, but we got to address the obvious here. I was looking at some of your pictures online, football pictures. You are the first person that I have ever seen cut the thumb <laughs> and the index finger out of every... I didn't make every... it too long. <laughs> I didn't make it too long please so you don't ex- notice it. Please explain. My PC answer is it's because... <laughs> no, you got to give it to me real. Uh, I get better grip. Okay. The real reason, and I don't know why, but for some reason when I run with gloves on, my hands tickle. <laughs> I don't know how... Like, like tingle? That, yeah, like it's okay. like a, a tickling <laughs> feeling that I like. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh and so I've realized, like, I, if I cut the fingers off of just two of them, those two make the most sense for grip work and stuff, too, <laughs> that I can run and I don't get that weird sensation in my hands. This is like when I was in high school. Does okay. anybody, like, make fun of you for, like, looking like Michael Jackson gloves on you or know, anything? No one's really giving me too hard of a time. And I'm a firm believer that anti-swag is the best swag, you know, so I'll be out As there with the, okay. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't... It. I'm not trying to have no drip or nothing. I think that's like, has swag about it itself. So I'm out there with long sleeves, loose long sleeves on, finger gloves all cut up, probably blood in one of them. And um, hey, I'm out there doing my job trying to win football games. So you just want to get in the trenches and just dominate. That's 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 what they're, they're paying me to do. Your fingers got to get cold though, man. Oh, I've had, I've had some, I mean, these things are scarred up, cuffed up. I mean, I'll, but the I'll rest of them have, look very nice. Yeah, yeah. I could be a model <laughs> hand. Are great, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if I like, uh, you know, was in the NBA, I'd have a good three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm an Adidas guy, so three stripes, you know. But um, no, yeah, all good. I love it, man. But now, being being a Viking, we were talking about it with Jordan Hicks earlier. He's to his third contract, mm. and he remembers getting his second contract. Yeah. What does this mean to you? I mean, getting the second deal. Take take all situations and teams and everything out of it. You know, the NFL, it's it's crazy because it's such a big business, right? Multi, multi, what is that, 10-figure, 11-figure mm-hmm. business, billion-dollar business. And so the numbers can get so skewed, especially, you know, we're all we, – we play a childhood game and we get paid a king's ransom, right? So you have to have that approach with no matter what – if you're a practice squad, you're the 53rd guy on the roster or you're the highest-paid player on the team. Um, like, we're making fantastic generational money. 
but with pensions and you know the the in and out of football and how quickly your career can end and injuries and um the, the cost of living when you're in the NFL, having to have two homes or two mortgages or mm-hmm. travel or take care of family and friends, um, you know, the more money you make, the higher your cost of living goes up. And so even though you make really good money in those first four years under your first contract, I mean, it's a known fact that you get to your second contract and that's where you create financial freedom mm-hmm. for you and your family. And so, um, you know, I remember, you know, in April, late April of 2018 when I, I got drafted to the Bills, um, and seeing those numbers, it's, it, I mean, from, you know, poor kid, 21 years old, like it, it's, it blows your mind Then you get into it and, um, you know, see some business, you start crunching numbers and stuff. And, um, you realize it's that second contract that's going to change your life forever. And, uh, being able to see players do it the right way through their hard work, mm-hmm. through the, you know, just guys who did it the right way and were rewarded for that. Um, that was motivation for me. My whole career is like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep trucking along, keep trucking along. Um, and then got here and, you know, uh, front office and the coaches staff found value in me. They, they saw me and saw who I was on the field and who I am off the field and the value that can bring you an organization. And, um, to, 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 be able to do this for my family and my organization, my, my playmakers, the, the, the children I work with, like the funds that this will be able to, to bring them and the, the good I can do here in Minnesota and Minneapolis, as well as back home in, in Omaha. And I'll continue to work with my foundation in Buffalo. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, you, you don't want to become complacent in any sense of the word. Um, but there's definitely like a, a, a huge thank God moment where, um, you know, this is definitely his doing. What motivates you? <sighs> That's tough. I think, I remember in the draft process, they kind of tell you, they coach you up because that's something that, you know, a lot of GMs are going to ask you, like, oh, what's your motivation? Mm -hmm. They're like, hey, have a good answer. Don't say chasing paychecks. (laughs) Don't tell them you want a contract. I want to get that money. (laughs) You know, but, um, you know, it didn't really take any coaching up for me. It was more of a real answer for me. I'm a a, a man of faith. And so um, there's been so many times in my life that God was reinstating the fact that football was the right thing for Mm -hmm. me. You know, you you just kind of have a calling through different things. And um, whether it was the, the passion that I played with, the love, that I felt from friends and family, the aspect of like serving right as I'm playing on the, t- on the field. I'm, I got 10 other brothers with me that I'm serving with and doing something together in the collective with. And then the audience that it brought me that I can turn the, their eyes to, to you know, God and, and Jesus and my Savior. And so um, I just thought that my whole life, God was pointing me to this way. And so I'm a firm believer that you obviously have to follow your calling with as mm-hmm. much passion and motivation as you can. So I think that's a big motivator for me. You touched on this a second ago uh, with your community involvement, and it's not just in one city. It seems like you want to make an impact everywhere that you've been or have been, I guess you could Mm say. What what motivated you to go in that direction of of working with children? I know that's something that's really close to your heart. Two time Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. So Mm -hmm. what what was it about that particular? Because obviously you want to give back and help out as many people as you can. But you've really targeted that as your cause. Yeah. um, And the population I work with is children and young adults with developmental differences and special needs. Um, We have, you know, I'd say 80 percent of the the group that we work with are Down syndrome or autistic and um, just amazing people, friends that I'll have for life. We have probably a thousand playmakers already. And I'm hoping that, you know, here in in Minnesota, I can grow that, you know, two X. But yeah, I think it's, it's really important NFL football players, you know, there can be a negative perception about what that means. Sometimes we make the headlines for the naughty stuff that we do in the news Mm -hmm. and that, you know, there's a perception that that's what you do. You get broke, you multiple women, you know, all these Mm -hmm. just terrible things. That's not true about football players. 
And it's it's our job as, as men and, and being the right type of guys to show the perception that, no, we're role models. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be hung in your kid's basement for a reason on posters. And um, uh, I found, you know, uh, as I wanted to plant my roots and what I wanted to do, I was like, well, let's go back to something that just makes me super happy and um, that I feel is so natural for me. And that's working with children, young adults with developmental differences and special needs. And um, it's a two-way street. I get just as much out of it as they all do. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, that's like the, all right, once I get my bearings settled here, the facility, get my little tour mm-hmm. done, mm-hmm. get everything settled, I'm going to start, you know, reaching out to, to local high schools, get the special education department. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to uh, the Special Olympics here in uh, Minnesota and try to get my roots there so I can do a camp here this summer or do an event awesome. really soon. So you've, you've already got plans. Yeah, we're, we're hitting the ground running. Now, don't, yeah. don't worry, football's first. Right, I get it. Of course. But there's, there's a little time in the off season and OTAs that we can uh, make some things shake. Uh, you were nominated for the Alan Page Award too. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, cool. that's really cool. I didn't know how that whole thing came full circle, but um, yeah, w- when I got nominated for that as a finalist, I, I ended up being a finalist, and um, then to come here and to to see all the history and how well he's honored here, I mean, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm I'm anxious for the day I get to meet him. How was the cool. museum tour? I mean, I yeah. know you did that earlier today too. Yeah, learned a lot. And John Randall was I know. Yeah. I was going like, there mean, you go. <laughs> I know he had a great career, so he's probably not hurting for money. But if he wanted to be like a tour guide, I think that <laughs> he could probably get hired on. I'd I'd uh, I'd be on his resume form. Sign a reference. Off. Yeah, yeah. be a reference <laughs> form. Somebody called. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll co-sign that, <laughs> that one. Was- <laughs> but. No, it was cool that, to hear from the best that's ever done it, a defensive tackle position. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, I got to talk to him about what I want to do off the field as well. And he was very passionate about that and said that he, at anybody, he knows the right people to get in contact that's with. Awesome. And, um, uh, you know, I want to head out to his place and play some golf. I think uh, he said he, smoke a cigar or something Friday. like that. Apparently when you move to Minnesota, there. you have to know how to play golf. Yes. That's something I learned when I yes. moved here. Yeah, I know how to play, but uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. it I'm it sticking goes to far, football right? sometimes. <laughs> What what makes a good defensive tackle or a great defensive tackle? Obviously, the easy answer is production. You right. want to see big time production from at the defensive tackle position. Um, it's I believe that especially nose guards are the are the, the straw that stirs the drink, um, and sometimes especially nose guard versus like a three technique or defensive end in the system, um, it's not going to be as flashy of plays. Um, so you need consistency, you need grit. Uh, and you need unselfish mm. unselfishness. So, um, you know, the great Pro Bowl Hall of Fame players are obviously having that elite style production, mm. but there's so much that goes into it besides that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope that I can, I can lean on some of those strengths that I already have and develop my weaknesses to grow them into strengths while I'm here. Where does intellectual brutality hmm. fit into all of that? Yeah, that's one of the, the places in my game that – so obviously the brutality part is like physical. At the end of the day, I want to drive the screws in my helmet through the screws <laughs> of yours and use my hands and shed blocks and make big plays. But that intellectual size, I'm going to be smart about it. Like you don't just get into a, a match with somebody because they you know blocked you some type of way and I'm just going to run down the middle of you. Uh, you can be very smart and predict plays before they happen. And offenses have tendencies – um, and based on what defense I am behind me, what way uh, Harris Smith is rotated down and where Jordan's lined up, like the offense is going to see the same thing that we're in. So they might run an outside zone play or mid zone scheme, play action. What are we going to boots against? What All those different things that you take into a play in the cycle of a snap in a 30 second window, there's an mm. articulate way to do that. And that's where the intellectual side comes in. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, hearing you dissect it, it seems like you really, really enjoy that side of the game. Mm, but, you better. Yeah, right. <laughs> Is there anybody that you're just really excited to get to meet on the team or play alongside on the defensive side of things? Oh, man, that's... I honestly, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't pinpoint one. I, I, I went back and watched a little bit of film from them from this last season, and you got some really stud players. You got some guys that um, are still finding their true self and like they haven't hit their ceilings mm -hmm. yet in this in their in their career. And obviously, um, I think Harrison is the longest yeah. tenured Viking yeah. right now, um, and captain. I mean, I think I'm excited to see the way that he sees the game mm -hmm. and the way that you know. It's going to be our defense. You know what I'm saying? The leaders on the team, it's it's your defense. Mm -hmm. So what is the uh, staple that we want to put on our defense? What is uh, Minnesota Vikings defense going to be this year? And I was fortunate enough to be a part of the number one defense in the NFL mm. last regular season. Mm. And um, I want to, you know, be a resource to those older guys in the room and the young guys we bring on, if they can pick my brain in any way, how we did it there or, you know, different things. But the identity of this team is still being built. We're just going to lay the foundation this, this spring. And, uh, find our true identity in training camp. Yeah, I mean, there are returning players, but at the end of the day, it's a it's a fresh slate. You've got a new defensive coordinator. What are you so excited about that opportunity? Kind of a start fresh type thing. When, yeah. I, when I got to Buffalo, they were in that transition, too, to go from longest without a playoff to competing for uh, AFC championships and saw how that was built and the process that took. I think that the writing is on the wall that that can happen here and you can see some of the pieces and uh, the the movement towards that. And so it takes, you know, very great leadership from the players, uh, coaches and front office people bringing in the right people to do it. Um, and yeah, having a brand new defense is, hey, we're all coming in together. We're all rookies in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we got to learn this defense and let's, hey, the terminology is not going to be set in stone because it's going to be flowing. Hey, what, what do we like to do here? What, what do you like against this look? And we can all be a part of that. You're not just coming into a system and say, here's the way it's going to be. Mm -hmm. It's let's work back and forth. There's there's give and take. Harrison, I could I, I could talk to you for like 30 more minutes, <laughs> but I got to ask this one question. Who's on your Mount Rushmore defensive tackles? Well, John Randall. Okay, <laughs> easy. Um, can, I, can I pause uh, that for a second? Did yeah. you know you were going to meet him today? No. Wow. But, 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 okay, so I met him before. Okay. Which is even another NFL circle yeah. of things. Yeah. He was my NFL combine chaperone okay. for, gotcha. somebody, for my yeah. group. Yep. And then I met him at the Super Bowl a year later at the Legends event. He gave me a box of cigars, you know? So like we, <laughs> nice. and I think after I reminded him of that, I think he remembered me from the combine <laughs> and stuff, but. Um, that must have been cool today then. I mean, yeah, he yeah. he's up there for sure. I would say Alan Page has got to be number two. Okay. Uh, Aaron Donald, number three. Mm. One of one. And I got to throw some daps to my main dog, Kyle Williams, number four. Okay. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a little personal uh, relationship there, but uh, I uh, I love his career and the way he did it. And um, he's also someone who poured into me about that intellectual side of, of football. Mm. He's a big mentor for me. I have to ask, though, with Omaha as your hometown. Omaha. <laughs> um, do you happen to have a favorite College World Series team that you would love to see play when you <laughs> – I mean, you had to have gone a few times. Yeah, we go to the World Series every year. Ugh, yeah, every year. Love we get that event. Did you? Is there a team that you always enjoyed seeing play there? Uh, so LSU traveled crazy early. You know, I just I, uh, I totally LSU, set yeah. you up for that question. <laughs> yeah. She ain't tell she me. Went to LSU. She didn't tell me. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's why. Dang. That's the only reason I asked. I did, but it yeah, is a it, very that, unique experience. Yeah, I mean, I remember being 
seven, eight, nine years old, walking to the game, and LSU fans are right there, like handing you hot dogs, handing you not beer. I mean, we're seven, but to the older <laughs> they players, actually might actually, have been yeah, handing you beer. Record, I don't so know. I'm not gonna say nothing, but um, no, they do a really good job. And then anytime Stanford went post my uh, oh, graduation yeah. or when mm. I was there, super They're cool. So good too. I think, yeah, I think. Creighton or Nebraska made it one year. Yeah, that was hometown team. Yeah, big time. But we go every year and just love watching the games. You like so, Rosenblatt or TD Ameritrade? Well, I only saw Rosenblatt as a uh, outfield general missions guy, mm. and now I got a couple connections to the, <laughs> <in> the boxes. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but Rosenblatt, I think everyone Iconic. who's been there and mm-hmm. seen it, yeah, the history of that place. Um, super cool. Vikings fans are desperate for a championship and we know that starts in the trenches. That Mm -hmm. starts with you, that starts with offensive line and understanding that and understanding how excited Vikings fans are to have you here. Yeah. What are they getting in return from Harrison Phillips? There's things that are out of your control as a human or as a football player. Um, you, you, you can't control accolades. You can't control production as much. Like I think what I bring is that, um, I want you when you survey any player on this roster in a year. I want them to tell you that Harrison Phillips is the hardest worker on our team. Mm. Um, Harrison Phillips is the most Minnesota Viking player we have on our team, um, and I want to have great leadership on this team. Um, I help help bring the young guys along. I've always prided myself in bringing the young guys along. I like that, um, and then unselfish play like. You know, to the fans, they can't understand the complications of a defense and 11 players and 12 gaps and the, all the different things that goes on. But if my job is the front side A gap, I'm going to be in the front side A gap every play. If my job is to be in the backside B gap, I'm going to be in the backside B gap every play. And if the ball comes to it, I'm going to make a play. Mm. So you got to do your job and then just a little bit more. Um, but I, I really believe in team defense and everybody doing their job. Um, so I want to be dependable in that aspect. And uh, again, goal is to to win the division Hmm. starting there win the division thank you so much though harrison for your time Hmm. and doing this on your media tour today we really appreciate getting to know you a little bit better looking forward to seeing what you can do this season i'm I'm so excited and blessed to be here thank you guys well thanks again to harrison phillips for taking the time to sit down with us this week um everyone should be excited about what he is going to bring to this minnesota vikings team but to the minnesota vikings community i know um we didn't really talk much about his community work and that's what he was uh, notorious for uh when playing in buffalo and i mean we saw we've seen some social media posts in the like since his signing of him just getting out here in the minnesota community so um great human being great player and, and even great personality you could tell just in listening to him talk about Alan Page and kind of the service oriented life that he lived and the fact that Harrison was up for Alan Page award. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things are kind of the cherry on top of what you get on the field as a player. But being able to have somebody who is well-rounded, has a, a passion for giving back to the community and is somebody who sounds very, very excited, very, very hungry, signing his second contract in the NFL. He feels like a guy that if he if he pans out the way that everyone at this point expects him to, he's going to be a contributor for a very long time in this defense. At least we don't have to worry about um, him contributing against a lot of AFC teams this year. Um, a lot of our games are in the NFC, and granted, we play in the NFC North, and the NFC North hasn't really made any splash moves. The NFC, in in general, hasn't really made any splash moves when you look at the AFC, the American Football Conference. And, oh my gosh. We've talked about it for a while. There's been an arms race going on in the <laughs> AFC, and it has not slowed down at all. 
like the the Miami Dolphins is the fastest team in the NFL. Um, Devontae Adams just went to the Raiders. That's his dream come true team. Like we said before, thank you, Devontae Adams, for not resigning with the Green Bay Packers. And then you add Deshaun Watson to the mix. He's going to Cleveland. Juju Smith is going to the Chiefs. Like I said, Miami just got a lot faster by adding Tyreek Hill to a four-year, $120 million deal. Like, like you, this is an arms race. Like, I, I, just watching the news on vacation, just scrolling through Twitter and just seeing everything, I'm like, oh, my gosh. What are we witnessing here in the NFL? Remember when we were kind of raising eyebrows to the fact that Von Miller got a six-year, $120 million deal? <laughs> yeah, Tyreek just shaved two years <laughs> off of that and got the same amount. I mean, I, I, it was cryptic. It was weird about a week and a half ago or so. Tyreek had sent out a tweet on social media mm-hmm. and just kind of said, oh, it looks like things are changing. Just get, There's this weird, ominous thing, and you're like, what? Okay, what is going on here with mm-hmm. this guy? And then the Juju News comes out. And and I I think the thing that was most shocking to me about the Juju news, it's a one year deal for three point two five million. Insane. So like, are they willing to upset the apple cart, or was it something where Tyreek just said like, here's my number, I'm not budging, mm-hmm. and and they knew after signing that monster contract from Mahomes, they didn't have it. I, I I don't know what the impetus was behind it, but when you look at the fact that Juju comes in on a three million dollar deal, mm-hmm. and essentially Tyreek comes in on a 10 times that <laughs> to Miami and and Kansas City got a haul for him. It, it again, it's it's been mind-boggling. Even Diggs uh on his tweet was like, what the heck is going on yeah. right now? <laughs> Just in the what you don't typically see are this many big names getting moved in trades, mm-hmm. or there's always a big name that that gets out there for agent-wise, but the fact that you saw you, you talk about the AFC, the amount of money that the Jags have spent. And now Miami basically says, I will check raise you in this poker game that's going on right now. Miami signed 16 players so far in free agency, whether it's re-signing their own or or outside people. Mm-hmm. 12 on offense, mm-hmm. 4 on defense. Those offensive players that have included Teddy Bridgewater, mm-hmm. Mike Gusecki, Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, and then defensively, Emmanuel Ogba, who got, oh, by the way, four years, $65.4 <laughs> million. It's like It's bananas. And then the other stat of the day that I found in doing some of this digging, Jacksonville, since 2012, Jacksonville has spent $1.64 billion. That's a B, billion dollars in free agency, $1.64 billion in a decade for the Jaguars. Oh, my gosh. We, we, We talked about this before, the idea of build through the draft, supplement through free agency. The Jags say, hold my beer. Like there's there. We've talked about even how since he did it. In the last two years, where they had the number one pick two years in a row, they got their top quarterback, they got their top wide receiver, and now they're building their offensive mm-hmm. line, supplementing through free agency, where the Jags have gone the other way and they haven't been able to retain these people. It's just a crazy, crazy flip of the script for the entire league and how this is being handled. And, oh, by the way, the salary cap <laughs> now, after COVID, keeps going up and up and up. And that's where these teams are finding this money. Everyone's like, how are we going to be able to afford this stuff? They're printing money at this point, yeah. and the free agents right now are reaping the benefits. This morning, I heard Adam Thielen on with the Power Trip Morning Show. They brought up the fact with Thielen that you know Tyreek just got this monster contract, and a bunch of these wideouts are getting these monster contracts. Mm-hmm. And the idea that JJ has to be salivating, knowing that his contract's oh, coming due. Absolutely, you're going to see some of the superstars not only throughout the league but on this team 
they're going to start getting paid this way if you mm-hmm. want to retain them. And if they don't, then it's going to be a bigger question mark as to what the future is going to be. For now, you are reaping the benefits of having some of these young stars on this team with lower contracts. And I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see this is the beginning of free agency. Mm-hmm. There's still some major names out there. OBJ is still out there as a wide receiver. Yep. You had Jarvis Landry, who was going to be moving on from Cleveland. OBJ even made the comment. He's like, oh, Watson's in Cleveland. I'm willing <laughs> to come back, you know, but he's coming off that ACL injury. Right. So, again, there are some big names still out there. Um, there's some big moves to be made. But holy cow, this has been a crazy week and a half. Yeah, I think on, on top of that, the, the Chiefs, I just want to talk about the Chiefs in particular. They now have $70 million in cap space and five picks in the first 62. Well, five draft picks in the first 62 picks. So we're talking about a team that still, like, granted, Tyreek Hill was really good, but they still have Travis Kelsey. They still have a a, a receiver that can make plays and, and Juju Smith-Schuster. And then you have two first-round picks on top of that. And Nicole Hardman. Yep. So, like, they have – Byron Pringle. They've done a good job of bringing in young speedsters. Mm-hmm. That's that whole thing of, of kind of balancing the equation of if the quarterback's going to get a ton of dough, then you have to have a bunch of younger, cheaper mm-hmm. prospects on this team. The The way that they've set this up, like you said, if they've got five in the first, was it 62? Yep. If that's the case, they're also one of the teams that can potentially bundle some of those to move up in the draft right. in order to go get a superstar that they feel like they're lacking. Now, it feels like there's a ton of, of discussion on pass rushers, mm-hmm. ton of discussion even on some of the secondary people that are out there. And we know that you know they've also struggled in some of those areas as well. So it'll be really interesting to see if they're patient and take all five of those picks mm-hmm. or if they start to package some things together to move up or package some things together to go get a proven veteran that they can bring in um, for some of that draft capital. So, yeah, they're setting themselves up. A lot of flexibility. Um, I know a lot of teams don't have that that flexibility, but still you look at just the arms race that you're talking about in the AFC and you say, okay, eventually – um, the AFC West, they're going to beat up on each other and another team's going to come out of it or vice versa. Uh, two two or three teams are going to, I mean, two or three teams are going to come out of the AFC West because that that might be the best division in the AFC, just top to bottom. And I think there was um, somebody had asked a question, has, has four teams in the same conference ever made the playoffs? And Probably was, not because you only had two wild card spots exactly. before, right? So yeah. the idea Three that you've got, it, though. but the thing is now you've got the idea that there's that third spot, that that seventh, that seventh team. And think of it this way: if think if you get to the point where you're a two seed mm-hmm. and you're having to play a seven seed who possibly comes out of that AFC West if all four teams were to make it, which would be historic. Mm-hmm. That could be brutal. Insane. So everyone's going to be fighting for that number one seed saying, I don't want to touch any of that, <laughs> and I want a home playoff game throughout for the rest of the playoffs. The topsy-turvy nature of the NFL, you always assume all of these teams on paper are amazing. What does the chemistry look like? What kind of injuries happen? What's the chaos that happens throughout the entire mm-hmm. season? But again, that AFC West, you look at the defensive pass rushers, you look at now the wide receiver yeah. options, and you look at the quarterbacks and all of them, there's, there are potential for fireworks in that entire division. Yeah, I mean, add on the fact that my, Matt Ryan now heads to the Colts. Mitch Trubisky now heads to the Steelers. Uh, Chandler Jones, I think we talk about that a little bit. He's now with the Las Vegas Raiders. The, the AFC as a whole is just getting stronger. And a lot of teams would say people are going to the AFC because – you don't want to play Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. So 
that's not the case anymore. Teams are trying to play some of those teams, whether that's in the Super Bowl. Granted, we we have to play Aaron Rodgers and we want to win the North and we want to be in that conversation to say, okay, well, you got to go through us because we beat the Packers. We we now have the the team to actually say, okay, now we're we're forced to be reckoned with. So this this thing's going to get interesting, man. Like it's just one thing, one chip after another. Marcus Mariota to the Atlanta Falcons. You look at like the Seahawks or the Falcons or some of these other teams in the NFC, and you say, okay, well, they're probably going to choose a, a rookie quarterback. So the the path to success isn't going to be as tough for for the Vikings if if we're playing. I think uh, ten NFC teams this year, ten or eleven NFC teams. So like we're we're going to have to win some of those games against the Buffalo Bills or or the Miami Dolphins that just got a lot faster. The the um, Dallas Cowboys, you play them again, but still, the the road to success is there for for us to take. And that was the reason why I think a lot of us were curious as to what the mentality was going to be with the changeover in the front office and what the what the mentality would be with even ownership. The fact that they see this as an opportunity at this point and feel like we're doing the reload instead of complete teardown rebuild should be encouraging because, mm-hmm. like you said, there is an opportunity there. There's this feeling that if you remember even close to like a decade ago, there was that feeling that the NFC was the superior conference and the AFC was lacking in talent and quarterback. And then Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were basically holding down that conference Mm -hmm. and nobody wanted to deal with them because they knew you had to go through Foxborough or you had to go through Indianapolis to try to get to a, Mm -hmm. a Super Bowl. Now this pendulum has shifted. A lot of talent is over in the AFC and the NFC does look like it's ripe for the picking. And here's the thing. At this point, like you said, Tom Brady coming back to Tampa, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, you start to look at what else is available Mm -hmm. in the NFC when it comes to quarterback play or even offensive play. This team should be one that has the expectation we need to be a top-tier team that makes a playoff run because it is ripe for the picking. Right now, to to me, and this is just my opinion, there are only four, three to four teams right now that I would say in the NFC – they are forced to be reckoned with the Green Bay Packers just because of Aaron Rodgers, whether you love it or hate it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys, yep, and the LA Rams. Yep. Outside of those four, like it's a toss up. You you really don't know, okay, is this team, do they have the the actual core to be able to go on a run or, or put fear in, in teams' hearts? Like the LA Rams that I mean, no, no, I wouldn't say like no man fears another man when it comes to the NFL because this is what you do. But the LA Rams, when you look at them on tape and then look at them on paper, you look at you look at that team this past year and you say, okay, like we're gonna have to play our best game for us to win. And that's what a lot of teams had to do, or they had to beat themselves. Like Matt Stafford literally wanted the us to beat the, the Rams last year. He threw those two interceptions to Anthony Barr, and it's just like, dude, if you just run the ball. Like you win this game. So my point is the Vikings can, can put their name into that group of talent or that, that that group of teams and say, OK, we're forced to be reckoned with, too. We have a ton of talent, especially offensive weapons. We've brought in people that we know are proven. You have a new scheme that's going to be implemented mm-hmm. on offense, a new one on defense. And the fact that you're not starting with a bunch of younger people that you're having to coach up, but you're bringing in veterans that can augment and shift kind of what they've learned over all these years again should help make it feel like we've got a step ahead even though we are starting a new scheme on offense and defense so for me another team that I would put into that mix as one that you have to pay attention to because they have talent at the same point they have question marks the Niners 
Yeah. They don't know what's yeah. going to happen. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Garoppolo right now. He's still coming off kind of the injury mm-hmm. portion piece. There's a lot of discussion about him possibly getting moved, but people being scared because they don't know what he, where he's at in his healing process. But the Niners, they've been a pain in the butt yeah. for numerous years. They've been able to get it done with Jimmy Garoppolo. Do they go and grab somebody who's one of the rookie quarterbacks and have to kind of start over a little yeah. bit? Or we do they, Trey Lance, too. Exactly. So yeah. that's the thing. Is so you don't know what their mentality is. Even in the NFC North, you've you've got a guy in Justin Fields. You don't yeah. know what's going to happen with him. Is he going to take the step his sophomore year, or is it going to be the sophomore slump that tends to hit quarterbacks mm-hmm. once teams have an entire season's worth of footage on you to make you yeah. uncomfortable? You know, Trubisky was that way his first year in Chicago, where he was he played fairly decently, and then come year two, people kind of figured out that formula, and man, they made it miserable for him. So Dak Prescott too, exactly. So that's the thing is is what are we going to get in the NFC? And like you said, it just feels like. It is ripe for the picking if you are one of those teams that can fully get everything to click and, and fix the the deficits that you had last season. Yeah, and that's a, that, those all those are really good points. And um, like you said, this is a new scheme. This is going to take some adjusting for for the Vikings to hit the ground running. But that's why it's important for this upcoming date in April 11th for all these guys to get back into the building. I, I think this year we will see more veteran guys at voluntary workouts starting April 11th than we have in the past, simply because it's a new scheme. And there, there is a buzz. I, 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 t- I tell PA this all the time, whether I'm on KFAN or just talking to him here. And I'm like, there, there's a buzz in this building. You know, Jay, like you, you're in this building every single day. So I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but like there, there there's a, an energy in this building that I can't put my finger on that the, the players are starting to feel also. The coaches are starting to feel. We, we hear it in some of the press conferences. And I know there are a lot of um, politically correct words that these guys say at press conferences. But if you if you listen to some of the lingo and some of the and you 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 feel some of the energy that these guys are are putting out there, like we, we have something special here. And all, all we have to do is, you know, stay healthy. Like like everyone says, stay healthy and, and stay together through this process. I mean, we know it's going to be a process. I mean, we're we're not going to go undefeated. If we go undefeated, I, I'll be shocked. I mean, I, I may have heart problems by then. So. I will be pleasantly surprised <laughs> if that is a problem. I will take that problem all day, every day. Let's right. make that a, let's make that a thing. But I mean, we we know there there are going to be growing pains this year. But it, it starts now, and you, you look at just the core players that we have on this team offensively. What these guys, what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball in the front office, bringing these guys in, it is it, it's, it's going to take time, but. I feel like the the future is bright. There, there's reasons to be optimistic. There's youthful excitement yep. of everyone, kind of the shiny new toy. You're in the honeymoon phase yep. at this point. On top of that, though, like you said, with the veterans coming back, it's basically going to be like coming back to school, but mm-hmm. you got a whole new set of teachers, whole new administration, <laughs> but you're still going to be able to see the the fresh faces. You're still going to have kind of the comfort of knowing that some of these groups, like think about the fact that essentially the entire wide receiver group at this point is coming back as a unit, including the coach. So who they really respect. So again, in some of those situations, those groups that felt like they produced last season, they're going to be walking in the door and feeling like, yeah, we know what this is, but they're going to get some new tricks and new tips Mm -hmm. and new ways to learn in order to advance their game even to another level. And having that continuity with a Thielen, a JJ, a KJ, and even, I was going to say, Amir Smith-Marset, having those guys walking back in and then who knows what's going to happen in the draft, Mm -hmm. being able to take those guys who produced well last year and hopefully get them to another level should be really, really exciting for the fans. 
Well, another reason to be excited for the fans is that we have a free agency special Vikings Vantage on KFAN this upcoming Saturday. So um, we're talking to Jordan Reed, Ron Johnson will be here, Jay Nelson, you'll be here. And we're actually talking to Ryan Monins, who's been a part of this process from the GM search to the head coaching search to this free agent and draft process also. He's the co-director of college scouting here for the Minnesota Vikings alongside um, Jamal Stevenson. So it'll be good to talk to those four guys and, and just have more content for, for Vikings fans. There, there are going to be moves made between now and then is, is looking like around the NFL. So there will be up to date coverage from when we record that to when it comes out. So Vikings fans stay tuned for this show. We've had a lot of news in just under two months, Jay, and we're a little over a month until the NFL draft. So this has been an interesting time for Vikings fans, interesting times for us also. The fact that we have had so much to talk about and it hasn't been game planning for an opponent, um, I think that makes for an even more fun and more eventful offseason. I am one who, knowing that all the changes that have happened this way, seeing the way things have been done in the past, and like you said, the youthful energy pieces that that we're feeling within the building, not only from the players that we're seeing, but from the coaches and from the, the new free agent additions, once the draft hits, that's when it's a reality of this is a, a better idea of what we have. And we all know in the past front offices, they do not stop looking for talent. They will always keep looking for talent. So, again, stay tuned. Vikings.com, mm-hmm. Twitter, social media, all of that for the latest information on what kind of moves your team's making. And with that said, for Tatum Everett, Jay Nelson, Harrison Phillips, my name is Gabe Henderson. We'll catch you next time right here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Mm-hmm.